I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And this is the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And on today's episode, episode 11, we're going to be talking about games that we feel are completely underappreciated. Be it because we just feel like they don't get enough attention in uh, video game literature or YouTube, anywhere on the internet. We don't feel like they got probably the scores they deserved uh, back when they initially came out. Or just games that we felt just were undersold and just didn't get enough, you know, enough eyes on them throughout the years. Definitely, and for one thing, too, this is something we haven't really done very often. We're actually both going in blind, which is kind of cool. We have no idea what each other's list is. We have no preparation, so if things sound like we're just basically shooting from the hip and talking, it's because uh, we don't know what each other's going to say this time at all. And that's normally what our conversations are like outside of the podcast, so get ready. That's true. This is like a behind-the-scenes. <laughs> Behind the music, Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Yeah, it's going to be good. So just remember, like these are really just our opinions on some games that we think just don't get the love that we think that they deserve. Some of these games may actually, you know, may actually be popular, and, you know, they may be popular amongst you and your group of friends or anything like that, but they're just games that I feel like have been lost to the sands of time a little bit. A lot of these definitely are. I mean, I don't think I have too many on my list that are going to be um, too popular. And I mean, some groups, there are a couple, but yeah, like you said, a lot of them are pretty much lost in time. Yes, and I also want to state that I don't think either one of us put any indie games uh, on our list because they would be filled with indie games. Because hardly any indie game gets enough love unless it's Hollow Knight. Everyone knows about Hollow Knight, but other than that... Or Shovel Knight. You just really have to end it in night, and you're good to go. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think any of mine do. Checking the list. Um, we're we're we good. No nights. There may be some nights in my games, but that's about it. Why don't you go ahead and get us started off today? All right. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, get us started off with a little bit of a bang here. i got to jump in my soapbox for a little bit and defend uh, probably my one of my favorite games of this generation... And that's going to be Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. And I know it's, uh, you know, not the most popular game ever, although I did just see rumors floating around of a possible Marvel 4, which would basically be like an in update to Infinite, which would be epic and an amazing game. But yeah, I just don't feel like Marvel Infinite, I mean, the backlash of garbage and crap it got right when it came out. Some of it is definitely deserved. I mean, the review scores there were, like, mostly in the 60s, if not, like, 70. I mean, what were your first impressions of it? I don't think they were great. Well, my first impression of the demo sure weren't great, but I think that's how we all felt. Uh, when E3 came around and they announced that the demo was available to all of us uh, to get to enjoy it, because, as as you know, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Marvel's Capcom series as well. We've played hundreds of hours between all of the titles together, and I had high expectations going in. I didn't mind the fact that they went back to two-on-two, two, and the tag mechanics were pretty good. But The tag mechanic is more than pretty good. The tag mechanic is the best mechanic for any kind of tagging they've had in the series, in my opinion. Well, because you're on your soapbox. I'm, I'm, I'm below you right now. I'm not on my soapbox. I'm just <laughs> okay. describing how I felt and about it. cut you off there. But, but I might do it again. Yeah, but in you and your soapbox defense, I also didn't put nearly as much time into it as you did. I didn't get 
I didn't get the same type of uh, skill level because, as you can remember last time, I probably landed, <laughs> I don't know, quarter of their health bar last time we played. I, I was pretty much just sitting in 100 hundred hit combos the whole time. Which, yeah, I mean, I mean they were I flashy, was... fun, and enjoyable, and I got to enjoy my beverage on the side. That, That's you know. true. You didn't get – I don't think it was any perfects. No, so. but I did get bodied as hell. <laughs> That you did, yeah. which kind of sucks because a lot of times we're usually uh, pretty close on skill level in the Marvel games, and because I put so much more time into this one, the gap got a little bit bigger. Yeah, and I think part of the reason for me is you, when that game came out, I didn't have you as like a constant motivator to like stay good at it. I think that was part of it. Yeah, that may be why I've really true. never. I haven't gotten into a fighting game for a while. Uh, I got a little bit more into Dragon Ball Fighters than that, but. Even that, not that much. Not much. You didn't put too much time into that. No, no. Infinite is definitely a good game. I it just for me, it's not as good as as two and three. I don't enjoy it as much. I I know that you kind of like the fact that the assist system is removed and they added in the kind of free flowing tag mechanic, which is oh my gosh, I, I think that's it's way better. I mean, just I know you watch Dragon Ball Fighter streams sometimes and. Characters get picked just because of what assists they have, and it's super annoying. Oh, I agree. And I mean, Dragon Ball Fighters, like we talked about before, it, it has it has an issue where each character only has one, which the Marvel series never really had that except for since the first game, but that was a totally different situation. But I mean, uh, you remember Marvel 3 or Hidden Missiles was my assist of choice there, and that was pretty broken assist and mighty annoying. Dr. Doom's defense, all of his assists were friggin' amazing. <laughs> and the foot dive. You can't forget about the foot dive. That's right. Well, I mean, Dr. Doom was just an awesome character to begin with in that game. So you couldn't... It was, it, it, it was ridiculous to consider you not picking him. Or anyone, for that matter. I was the only person who didn't play Dr. Doom. But no, I agree with you. I think it is super underappreciated. I think it's a, it's a high-quality fighting engine. Just as everyone knows... The graphics are um, they leave something to be desired on probably over half the cast, but that in itself does not determine a good game. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, and it, the graphics they are pretty freaking ugly, especially for the non-DLC characters. They look rough, but I mean, when a game plays that well, and even the uh, they even patched out most of the. Um, the gems there, I know the the reality stone was insanely buffed at the beginning, and now it's not even one of the better ones out there, and they buffed the power stone. I mean, the soul gem is just amazing to get a sweet comeback mechanic to get a second lease on life. There are just so many good things about that game, and it's like the com community completely hated it, and now it's almost done a little bit of a 180, and now people are starting to to really like it. No, I think it, it it definitely got a lot more negativity towards it than it should have at the beginning because I think Capcom should be applauded for trying something new with it, and I think it's rather unfortunate that it got shoved aside so quickly, especially the fact that it didn't get included in EVO this year. Um, I thought that that was kind of a quick decision on their part because I think a lot of people would have had a good time watching it, and I understand that Dragon Ball Fighters took its place, but if we... We all watched that top eight. That's that true. was repetitive. That was real repetitive. I mean, it's still that game is super flashy and a lot of fun to watch. But once you have seen a couple of matches, it seems like you've seen everything. Or if you, you know, 
And the best thing, one of the best things about this Marvel was pretty much anyone could be used. If you found the right way, you could make them usable on your team. Well, that and also just, like, the flexibility. Like, that the tag system brought in, it allowed you to more free freeform create combos instead of everyone having their own, even though there's always those optimized solutions that people are going to be passing around the Internet. There's no real way around that. But, yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite definitely got the short end of the stick, regardless of how much time I spent with it. It must be my fault. I just didn't play it enough, so it was underappreciated. I think you killed it. I think that's just Uh, Chuck's fault. That's one of the problems. Chuck didn't play it enough, and now it just kind of died. Yeah. Bring back two. It's a sad day. I know, I know. But, no, I agree with you. I I definitely think it's underappreciated. But at least hope's on the horizon with the possible Marvel 4 Infinite update or whatever they plan on doing. Yeah, so. I'm interested to see if that comes to be what what their what their game plan is going to be because if they're going to rework it, I'm not really sure how they're going to do that. I'll be interested. Yeah, I mean, they were talking about possibly doing a, a Smash Ultimate approach, which I mean, I would be perfectly okay with. If they did that, I would want them to like add in the ability to do three on three and just you you pick what game type you want. Personally, I I know that you really like that version. I actually prefer the 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 old way, but I also like having assists. I actually like that a lot. But that's just me. Different strokes, I guess, for different folks. Yeah. So what's your number five? Uh, number well, I don't have these numbered. Oh, by the way, okay. What's so, your first one, number five? One, the, number the first five. one. This one may be the most most controversial of all of them. This is a game that is actually very popular and has been around for, I think, almost like 14 years now. Something crazy like that. Maybe 13 years, yeah. And it's a game that's made a whole lot of money. It's yeah, actually... Resident Evil 4, are you? Who? Resident Evil 4? I'm trying to it, think what else It hasn't been around since 14 for 14 years, but I don't actually think... It has. It came out in 04. Oh, did it? Nice. Yeah. So this game came out after that, so... <laughs> okay. Not Resident Evil 5. No, and this is a, an online uh, free-to-play game. I don't know if that's going to strike any inspiration Dungeon in you. Dungeon Fighter Online? Yeah, that's right. Oh, nice. Dungeon Fighter Online, I feel, is one of the most, especially in North America. I know this game is huge in Korea, and that's where it that's started in 2005. Yeah, it didn't come out in North America till 2010. But the fact that it's existed this long and is still getting, like, monthly updates is ridiculous. And, Buck, I know that you've played this game with me. We've played it both on the PC and the Xbox. It's not as good of an experience on the Xbox because it was pretty watered down when it came out. Is that on the 360 that it came out? Yeah, it was on the 360, and I think they it got gimped a little bit, like you said. Yeah, they they kind of they dialed it back to kind of like uh, an, an older version of it with less characters and things like that. But Dungeon Fighter Online is... It's kind of just like the MMO for people who just love multiplayer beat-em-ups from, from the olden days. If you like Streets of Rage, uh, obviously Final Fight, Double Dragons, things like that. But you, you also like uh, character customization, special moves, leveling up, equipment, and stuff like that that comes with a, a, just an RPG or an MMO in general. Dungeon Fighter Online is one of the 
the best looking, best controlling, and one of the most fun just grinds in an MMO I've ever I've ever found. And I've I started playing it about six years ago. And I've been very on and off about it, and I don't play it at any high level. But I, every time I pick it up, I usually, I usually play it for a good 15 to 20 hours, and then I'll, I'll move on to something else. But for the fact that it's such uh, an enjoyable, fast-paced, customizable experience, I, I, I think it's pretty. Uh, I, I can't really think of any other game on the market that even comes close to providing what it does. And a lot of the characters play really different, too. So if you're playing, like, a priest or a crusader or martial artist or I don't remember all the, the job titles, like the mage, whatever, they all play quite a bit different, and everything is um, cranked up to 10 as far as being flashy. So picture, like, Final Fighter Streets of Rage except super anime and super flashy. And since we love those the side-scrolling beat-em-ups anyway, I mean, that's just it's a huge win in our book for sure. Like Buck was saying, ton of characters. I think they're at this point. I want to say there's like 16 different like classes you can pick, and each one of them has three or four like subclasses that you can pick from once you get to like level 15. And they all have like just skill trees and new abilities that you can set on your character. And I mean, all of them are different. So let's say you pick, uh, let's say you pick the sword fighter, just like the main one. I think he's called like the sword master or something. Well, you get a you, one subclass, you get a character who's just really good with different kinds of weapons, and you do, like, stance dancing, and you get different, like, aerial chains and things like that. Uh, and then you can have another character that's more like a, you know, like a, a spell sword, I think is what they usually call him in an RPG, where he can put, like, fire and stuff on his sword, cast magic along, along with the different sword attacks. But you also have characters like gunners, you have... Uh, uh, a lot. One of my favorite. I think it was like a heavy gunner or a launcher. I think is what they're called. Is that the dude like the rocket launchers? Yeah, he's got rocket launchers. He's got like satellite beams he can call down. It's just complete destruction. And there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's pretty much a character archetype for uh, any character you would think of uh, in a, you know, a beat 'em up or just an RPG in general that they have, you know, available here. And I, I think it's super fun. And you can control. You can play the game with a keyboard or you can play it with a controller, and you can customize, you know, the skills to the buttons. And you can also have it set up where you do, like, Street Fighter moves to pull off your different skills, which I think is fun. So, yeah, it's, it's always a lot of fun. And, yeah, I remember there's just, like you said, there's pretty much something for everybody. No, there's definitely there something a, for everybody. There was a, I don't remember, I know I leveled up a grappler for a while once. I think uh, the priest or, like, crusader, paladin, whatever it's called, you well as a priest that you probably turned into a crusader. Probably. One of those skill trees you were talking about. Yeah. I actually went back to it not too long ago. I think it was like the end of last year, beginning of this year, and it was the first time I'd played it since we did, like, we're talking like six or so years ago. So I was pretty blown away by all the, the new archetypes out there. I was like, dang, I need to pick this up for a while again and leveled up a grappler for a while. And then I think it may have been that um, sword mage or whatever you talked about. Weapon master, whatever they call it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a ton of stuff to do. And remember, the game's free to play. Um, it is a Korean free to play RPG. So if you're if you're playing like end game and you're gonna try to you know be the very best, you're gonna be like putting no money. No one ever in. was. Yeah, you're gonna be like Ash, but you're gonna be putting a lot of money into this game. It is one of those. 
But here's the thing. If you just want to put, you know, 50 to 100 hours playing as one character, leveling them up, just having a good time doing, you know, just random beat em up RPG action, I don't think that this game can be beat. Dragon's Crown doesn't even hold a, a candle to this game. Not even um, close. I'm, I'm sorry for people who love that game. Uh, and, and I know that is a game that neither one of us really uh, got into much. But if you're looking for high-speed, just over-the-top action, anime, RPG, free-to-play, definitely give it a try. Dungeon Fighter Online should not be missed. And I know that it's very popular around the world, but I don't, I don't think in North America enough people are playing it. Yeah, and you will look cool doing it, that's for sure. And you'll have fun, most importantly. Looking cool is important, too, but yes, most importantly, I'll have fun. That's right. Well, I don't know why you like Infinite so much, then. It's such a great game. <laughs> you can... Uh, certain characters look all right. Well, the ones you play look awesome. I'll give you that's that. That's true. Sigma does look pretty sweet. Yes, well, all the, I think all the Mega Man characters look cool in that game. I know you don't like Zero so much in that one, but... I think it's good. just from fighting too many of them. Fair enough. So what's your next title? What's your number four, since you're numbering yours? <laughs> My number four? Well, uh, number four is a game that was... I feel like it gets a decent amount of praise these days, but um, being that it's on the, the Sega Saturn, I mean, it can't get too much because about... It feels like five people in the world bought Saturns and especially still use them. But it's one of the best uh, strategy RPGs mm. that I think has ever been created. You already know what it is now. Nope. Yeah, I do. All right, is what it? is it? Is it Dragon Force? It is Dragon Force. <laughs> and I feel like it got, I don't think it got much love back in the day. It was another working designs classic that came out uh, back in, I believe, 96. So that's way back in the second year of the Saturn. And, I mean, it still has, it has 100 versus 100 army battles, which are freaking amazing. And you can pick from one of eight different kingdoms. So you can basically start the game with any of, eight different characters, and for like a strategy RPG, that's pretty freaking cool, and most of them play pretty different. I mean, some of them are kind of the, you get the generic knight archetype, and then you got like a, pretty much your monks, your um, dragoons, your random beast fighter people, all kinds of different stuff, and basically you go around conquering all the other kingdoms, and then when you do, you gain other enemy forces too, and eventually... If you're good enough at the game and you don't kill off other characters, uh, everyone will kind of come together to go against the main bad guy, and then you have uh, pretty much eight different armies at your disposal, and it gets really freaking epic. So how do the different characters, these different class archetypes, how do they change the gameplay exactly? I don't think you covered that. Well, it just depends. I mean, you might play, like, there's a race of just pretty much all dragons that are super OP against uh, characters like knights and even like crusaders or paladins that are on horses, but they're weak against, say, like elves or range people. I mean, it's basically uh, kind of like the Fire Emblem system a little bit. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And then, of course, um, you have one general for for every army, and then you have like other sub-generals, so... Every character that you basically control leads 100 people in a 100 versus 100 battle. And they all have special moves, like the character you'll control, and all the the army just kind of fight by themselves as you're controlling the main character and doing supers to try and take out 
you know, the other um, team people or generals or yes, yeah, just epic. Is it is it kind of like a, an overhead kind of like view while you're doing that whole combat or like when your general's fighting? Is it like a side like side scrolling kind of situation? How does oh, that work? I've never actually seen it played. I didn't realize you never saw me play it, or I didn't think you played it, but I thought you may have played it in my place or seen me play it. No, you denied me until this episode. You were just waiting. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's exactly what I was doing. No, it's completely um, like side-by-side, side, like one army's on the left, the other's on the right, and you get to see everyone throw down. It actually looks pretty sweet, especially for 96. I mean, that's one thing Saturn did well, is it would uh, – 2D sprites were – you actually probably better than PlayStation. PlayStation did 3D a lot better because Saturn's 3D was hot garbage. But even if you look back at all the 2D fighters and everything, and everything in Dragon Force is 2D, so it does 2D well, and I can't believe it didn't bog down when there were, you know, 200-plus people on the screen. Yeah, because I'm sure I've seen less going on in other games that definitely lost frames on the Saturn. Yeah, probably Panzer Dragoon, the original, I'm sure, lost several frames. That's probably true. But if I'd played Panzer Dragoon Saga, the release game for the console... <laughs> launch game, I think you're trying to say. Oh, well. The, the launch maybe. game I had coming out with, and I think the Saturn would have done better if that happened. They're probably true. Yeah, I didn't love the original, but it was an okay game. Like you said, though, it tried to be... It, it did 3D graphics, so yeah, it definitely slowed down. And, I mean, Dragon Force actually got a sequel in Japan, which I would still really like to play, but the only way to do that is with, well, I could actually play it with my Saturn. I have the memory card or whatever that lets you play imports, but I'd have to get a patch or something for it. Or I know you can get those modded Saturns that can play, uh, like, backup CD games, which I've thought about as an option to play, like, Panzer Dragoon Saga and, like, patch versions of Shining Force and Dragon Force 2. You know what I'm talking about or not really? No, no, I do. I was just okay. like, well, are you done with Xenoblade yet where you can do that now? I'm not done with Xenoblade yet. <laughs> I'm still doing that. That's what I. That's the, the thing holding me back, though. There's too much of a backlog to throw down for a Saturn because that's going to be at least a $200 commitment once all that's said and done. So. I was going to say, if you get that, I want to borrow it and I want to I wanna get Symphony of the Night for the Saturn and play it on there. <laughs> I'm sure it plays exactly we'll, the same. We'll just record the podcast live while we're getting to play these games that we missed out on. Could be a solid episode right after Chuck plays a MOBA. That's true. You're looking forward to that one. It's going to be a good one. I'm already there. All installed. I'm ready to go. Got to level your hands in Skyrim some more, and maybe you'll get there. Yeah, that's right. You may just have to re-download the game. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you should definitely go out of your way to play Shining Force or next time we see each other and I bust out the Saturn, which... Me Dragon Force? You said Shining Force. I don't I don't think that's what you meant. It definitely wasn't. I mean, Shining Force 3 is okay, but Dragon Force is way better. Take your word for it. I think I know that I would like it better. I think so. Yeah. I definitely think so. It's not the traditional, because you're not much on the uh, old grid-based tactical RPGs we covered last episode, so... That's right. I, I did play my fair share of the original Shining Force, though, for better or for worse. I think two was a lot better. I don't. I didn't get. I didn't make it that far. I was trying. I was trying to get that that deep lore, so I had to start at the first one. I'm sure it was deep. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. All right. So I think I've covered about enough on Shining Force. If anyone gets a chance, definitely. Not Shining Force. Good Lord, Dragon Force. <laughs> <laughs> 
Play Dragon Force, so stop calling it Shiny Force. <laughs> there you go. He's losing it over there, guys. I am. All right. So the next one on my list, this is the most modern one. It's not actually that old. It actually came out last year. And no, definitely <laughs> not. And I think it, I think it got enough coverage, but I don't think that it, I think it totally fell off after the first month due to kind of subpar reviews and kind of just trying to jump on the, people thought it was trying to jump on the bandwagon of the uh, Dark Souls games, but I think it was a lot better. Uh, then people gave it credit for it. It was a lot more unique, and that's the surge on the both the PS4, uh, Xbox One, and also on PC. And actually recently just got a uh, another DLC released, I want to say last week, which I was actually very surprised about. Over a year later, as a huge Dark Souls fan, I'm, I pretty much am always looking for a game that kind of recreates that kind of experience, and most of them just flat out don't. This game, The Surge, was developed by Deck 13 Interactive, which was the, the same company who came out with The Lords of the Fallen, which was eh, pretty, pretty terrible, I'm not going to lie. But The Surge was kind of promising to be a sci-fi environment and story, but with a different take on the Dark Souls uh, combat formula. Basically toting to be, you know, very difficult and having that, you know, that kind of third-person kind of technical combat. Uh, the Surge I find very interesting, though. I think it does a lot of very unique things. It definitely set it apart from Dark Souls. And and the main thing besides the setting, uh, which I, I think is very unique and I appreciate a lot, is the combat and the way that your character progresses. Uh, you are basically someone who got uh, hired in at this company called Creo. And, and spoiler alerts, two minutes into the game, you find out that your main character is wheel, wheelchair bound. You end up uh, getting there for your first day at work. You get set up in this, like, this rig, which is basically just makes you a cyborg. So you can walk around now. Uh, but you end up getting, like, knocked out during the process. You wake up and you're, you're kind of in this apocalyptic version of this facility and you're trying to figure out you know, what the hell happened? Why are these, why is everybody going insane? Why is everybody trying to kill you? All that kind of stuff. But the combat revolves around fighting enemies and trying to, you kind of pick your enemy apart and you kind of zone in on certain body parts. And when you do that, you can kind of, you know, cancel out their moves. And if you damage their, their appendages enough, you can actually remove them from their body. And that's a way to gain currency and gain blueprints basically the uh, the enemy's armor that they were wearing. So you remove different parts of them, and you can recreate those body parts, or not not the body parts themselves, but kind of like the, the rig aspect of your character, and you can build those, and some of them are stronger. They give you different abilities and things like that. So that's kind of how you progress through the game, through the combat, as opposed to in Dark Souls, you kind of explore the world and kind of just find random armor pieces in corners of a castle or things like that. But it, I actually think it's, uh, the combat's actually very fluid. Uh, some people seem to think that it feels clunky, but I don't, I've never quite understood why people think that. I think Dark Souls feels clunky to me. Oh, um, well, I think it has, I mean, it, it's by design. I'm not saying it plays bad or anything, but I think it just has a, uh, 
just a clunky kind of feel to it, especially if you're wielding some heavy armor and doing that slow roll. Right. Yeah, it kind of has like a methodical feel to it, not I'm I'm faster than everything else I'm fighting against. Right. So, yeah, and this this is kind of like that. You don't do you don't get like weighed down by armor. You don't do like fat rolls or whatever. <laughs> nice. uh, but you do kind of you you more just like strafe to the side quickly. You don't like do rolls. You strafe to the side quickly, back quickly, whatever, or you dive towards the enemy with, like, your big hammer or uh, whatever. But I think the combat is, I, I think it, it feels a lot more fast-paced to me. Um, the only thing that I would say may seem a little bit more unfair, and I think is why people got frustrated with it, is that the time between you messing up and you dying is actually typically a lot shorter in the surge that is in Dark Souls. Regular enemies are actually probably more difficult than a lot of the bosses, which I don't think a lot of people are prepared for, and they think it makes it difficult to make, like, runs to new areas and things like that. I never really had an issue with it, and I was always very invested in, you know, trying to fight different enemies and trying to, like, harvest, you know, different body parts and things like that. That sounds really creepy. Um... <laughs> But I, thir- I, I thought I thought it was super fun, and I, I just like you know it's the different aesthetic, the sci-fi kind of situation, the different weapons. It just played differently. Plus, at the end, like when you're when you're removing body parts, it goes into this sweet like slow mo cinematic of you cutting it off, and bloody as hell. It feels good, <laughs> and that's that's the main reason that I think I like it so much. The game just feels good. At least the setting, I mean, I think it's kind of nice that the setting would be completely different than Dark Souls. I think the medieval fantasy setting's kind of overdone in my book. Oh, heck yeah. And I mean, I'm not even one that's usually usually f- looking for a, you know, like a science fiction-based just medium at all. Like, science fiction's not my favorite type of movie, it's not my favorite type of game. Although I do seem to like a lot of my RPGs to be in that setting for whatever reason, I don't know. I had kind of medium expectations going into it. I was interested when it came out because I've played a lot of games that said they were going to be Dark Souls-esque. That usually that usually means that they're not going to live up to my expectations. But The Surge did for me, and I think at this point it's been out for over a year. It's relatively cheap. You can probably find it for 10 to 20 bucks. It's got a couple of pretty high-quality DLCs that have come out over the last year. I think it's definitely worth uh, people who are just interested in uh, third-person action games in general. And if you're looking for a challenge, I think it's definitely uh, worth a look. So Souls fans should pick it up? I think they should if they haven't already. I mean, Souls fans aren't going to get any new Dark Souls games anytime soon. So. No, but we do have Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Yeah. You know, that game looks cool, but it's not an RPG. So it's not going to fill the void for maybe all Dark Souls fans. It may, from an action perspective, how it plays, because the gameplay looks incredible. Don't get me wrong. But for people who like the replayability of a Dark Souls game, they typically like it due to the RPG elements and the character building. They're not going to get that in that game. I mean, we can always hope for Neo 2 to come out to get kind of the fix with that. I mean, I think that's probably going to happen at some point. Oh, Neo 2 has already been announced. Well, okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so Neo 2 will be coming out for sure. Um, I will not be getting it unless they change a lot of things about it. I actually like the Surge more than I like the Neo. Come at me, Internet. Come at me. 
I don't know if the internet does the internet love Neo. Uh, some like, people, some people love Neo. I already, I already explained why I didn't like it on a previous podcast. Go listen to like episode two. <laughs> the collecting episode. I don't feel like you would explain. Oh, it is that what that was? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to take like away collect and Neo sucks and <laughs> 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 that's what it was. That's exactly what it was. So what's your next item on the list? Next one, we're going back to the Wayback Machine to 2002. Oh, that is way back. And I remember being pretty hyped for this at the time, and it did not disappoint. And actually, it still looks really good to this day, and the visuals hold up crazy well. And that would be Robotech Battlecry. That is a cool game. That's a really cool game. It's, yeah, I don't think anybody remembers it, though. Probably Xbox? No. It's on the Xbox, GameCube, which I had on the GameCube, and PS2. It's on all those. Okay. And it's a mixture of, well, anyone that knows Robotech knows you have your, your Veritech or your mech, whatever you want to call it, and it has three different uh, states you can transform into. So you got your um, upright, walking, Gundam-looking dude that has a gun and just can straight-up shoot people with a machine gun and kind of fly around with a jetpack. Normal mech-looking guy. And then you have, like, the full-on fighter pilot where you're basically um, just a jet, and that's, like, it plays out like Star Fox if you're in that mode. And then it has a mixture of that weird-looking plane thing with arms and legs where you can, uh, like, hover as a plane, and also you still have your arms so you get to shoot your machine gun, and you can shoot missiles. And I don't remember what your legs do. I think they, like, carry people or something or just dangle for no reason like you're on a, you know, roller coaster. But that game did a really good job of recreating um, the anime, cartoon, whatever you want to call it, of Robotech. And it was a, a ton of fun to play, especially back in the day. And I actually played it not too long ago, and it definitely still holds up today. I mean, the shooting is super solid. Uh, the targeting system is a lot like Star Fox. And there's all kinds of different missions, which most of which are pretty cool, except... I remember there was a mission called Cat Scan. There's an escort mission that, oh my gosh, it was ridiculously hard. Stop doing those. Nobody likes escort missions. Yes. Not ever. They never will. Especially when the ship you're trying to protect has like 4 HP and it dies almost immediately. Oh my god. That's why I had to stop playing Zone of the Enders too, which is another fantastic mech game. Oh yeah, that one plays. That one plays super fast too. Yeah, that one's great, but it's got those fucking escort missions too. Like, <laughs> they're awful. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Robotech is. I mean, not necessarily. I like it. I guess one thing because it's cool that it's like the show. I've always been kind of enamored a little bit by big robots. It's always cool. Big Gundam fan, and not as much Robotech, but yeah, this game definitely fills that fix. And then you get the three different styles of the combat. Missions are solid. The story's actually pretty decent. It's brand new, so you don't need to be up to date on any of the Robotech lore or anything. But yeah, it's uh, you can buy it for like I don't know, like three or four bucks. I know we have like a Super Mega Replay or something pretty close to us. My buddy Dell texted me the other day a picture of it. He got it for like two ninety nine there, like the complete copy for PS two. He's like, this was an awesome find. Can't argue with that. That is a yeah. good find. If I remember correctly. My best memory of that game is I thought it was one of the the first anime-inspired games that really used cel-shaded graphics 
to recreate the kind of anime look in a video game. Yeah, and I mean, they still look really, really freaking good. Like, Robotech Battlecraft from O2 looks better than Marvel Infinite from last year. That's a guarantee. I'm also not going to argue with that. <laughs> yeah, that game is, uh, I think, anyone who has any interest in mechs, Robotech, Gundam, giant robots, anything like that, even shooters or Star Fox, should definitely give this game a try. And you can get it for, you know, next to nothing, pennies on the dollar for a complete copy. You probably go on eBay and buy one now for five bucks complete for, you know, PS2, GameCube, or the original Xbox. It was on all three. Definitely an underrated title that should get more love that I wish would have gotten a sequel. I'd freaking buy a sequel today for 60 bucks on it. Yeah, I'm actually surprised it didn't because I don't actually think it sold that poorly because I see copies of it all the time. Yeah, it came out, I think, half-decent fanfare. Yeah, it got great reviews. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. And and stuff, but I don't think it was, like, great reviews, but it was pretty freaking solid. Those are great reviews. <laughs> they are for a licensed anime game. They are for that. games on our list right now. <laughs> That's true. Because I don't think the next one I'm going to come up with got that high reviews, but I love the game. I think my next one did. And I did misspoke when I talked about The Surge, it being the most modern game on the list. Actually, the one I'm about to talk about is. And it's one that is... Uh, that I recently play, like I said, at the end of last year, I played it on my Switch. It's probably still my favorite Switch game, even though it's not exclusive. And that is The Mummy Demastered. That game was fun. I played that on your Switch last year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that game, this, this game is basically uh, a Metroidvania game, but it, it's got gameplay kind of similar to Contra. So... You have kind of this run-and-gun shooter aspect to it while you're also exploring. I, I don't know how based on the actual uh, The Mummy movie from 2017 it is. I think it's probably got like two characters uh, from the movie in it just to just to tie them together. Well, it's a billion times better than that crap fest, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. It's because they, they put it in the hands of WayForward. The uh, the people who made the uh, Shantae series, among other things. And it turned out awesome. Uh, Everything they touch turns out awesome, so... Yes. I cannot I cannot give them enough praise. And this game... When I, when I first heard it get announced, which was basically it popping up on my... In the Switch shop, or the Nintendo eShop, I saw it and I was just like, that movie got a game? This... <laughs> And it, and it was like, it was several months, maybe six months after the movie came out. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to ignore this. <laughs> this can't be good. This, this can't even be worth license crap, usually totally off my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was uh, a couple days later, I went back on there and I saw it again. I was like, all right, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll look at the screenshots and stuff. And I was like, oh, this, this looks pretty sweet. You know, it's got the um, pixel artwork. So I'm already on board. I went ahead and downloaded it. I think it was only like 15 bucks, maybe 20 bucks at that point. I played through it in like two sittings over the course of like a day and a half. I could not put this game down. It takes a, It's about mm, maybe seven to nine hours to do just about everything in it. It's not the most complex Metroidvania experience of all time, but it's a damn fun one. It controls well. You get lots of interesting weaponry. 
like rocket launchers and, you know, assault rifles, things like that. And it does one of my favorite things uh, that a good Metroidvania game does is it starts you off feeling weak, and towards the end of the game, it completely empowers you, and you feel like you're just, like, the master of your own domain. So at the beginning of the game, you got, like, a really weak assault rifle, and that's about it. It's got unlimited ammo, but you unlock all these other weapons that have limited use, and you unlock, like, grenades and different abilities to traverse the landscape. But by the end of it, you've got, like, uh, this, like, spread rocket launcher. You've got, like, this laser gun that you just hold down the fire button, and it just homes in on every enemy on the screen and annihilates <laughs> them. Yeah. I think, it, I, <clears throat> I think it's supposed to be, like, really hard to find, but when I play Metroidvania games, I do them to completion, so obviously I found <laughs> it before I beat the game. I cannot... I cannot speak enough high praise on this game. It was actually my favorite game of 2017. Wow. Yeah, it was. It uh, it was probably the fact that it was it was surprising. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, low expectations going in, and it and I've played it several times uh, since then. Um, really enjoyable. Like I said, if you if you like 2D, you know, run and gun action games, and you like adventure games, this one's up your alley. Do not. Do not look at the fact that uh, it was based on the, the Mummy movie of 2017. Just so the world's talking about, you know, Breath of the Wild and everything. You're like, no, screw Breath of the Wild. We're talking about the Mummy. Yes. That, that was what I was doing. And everybody scoffed at me. And they're still scoffing at me. And that's why I'm talking about <laughs> it right now. Yeah, definitely. That's one that flew under the radar and was underrated. I completely forgot about it until you just mentioned it. Well, you only got you only got a chance to play it for like thirty minutes. Had I left my switch there, you probably would have played through it. That's it was a decent shot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Although I did just you dropped me into your game too, which was a little bit. You can't really drop someone into a Metroidvania, but I mean, I know how to play them and know what's going on. But you usually want to play those from the start. I thought you eventually actually started a new one. I had a I had a mystery file in my saves. I saw. Well, maybe I did. <laughs> Yeah, go go pick it up, guys. You can find it on Steam. You guys should pretty much find it on all the consoles at this point. And it's anywhere between 15 20 bucks, but it does go on sale a lot. So probably pretty easy to find it for 5 10 bucks. Anytime there's one of those epic Steam sales or even like a sale on PSN, like a flash sale or something, that's the best time to pick up any of those games. Yes, but get the Mummy Demastered first. All right, go ahead. What's this one that's going to blow my mind? I don't know if you knew that I like this game a lot. I'd say you probably did. I say I mentioned it a few times, but it would be my favorite platformer for the Nintendo 64. Favorite platformer for the Nintendo yeah. 64. Oh boy! One I played um, a lot more than any of the the common ones out there. It's not Mario 64. It's not um, any of the rare platformers. Not Banjo Kazooie or. Even though it did be Donkey Kong 64, it's not well, Donkey Kong 64. Well, there, there's only so many, and I know it's not my favorite one. Um, I know it's not Glover. Um, <laughs> Is that your favorite one? <laughs> no, my my favorite one's uh, Robot Rocket on Wheels, actually. It's not that one. But that is a, a decent underrated game. Yeah, one of my favorite 64 huh. games is actually Bomberman Hero. Oh, yeah, no, no, I definitely knew that. I yeah. thought so. That's not that's not like the first thing that comes to my mind when I think platformer, but that one definitely is, and it's very cool. Yeah. So Bomberman sixty four, it was all right, but it did a lot of things wrong. Like you couldn't jump. It wasn't like a true three uh, D platformer. But Bomberman Hero, holy crap! That game got 
Not great scores. I think it should have gotten amazing scores. It's the most fun I've ever had with a 3D platformer, period. I mean, you can do pretty much anything. You have bombs that, you know, standard Bomberman, except you actually, instead of just kicking them and laying them down, you can actually throw them now, which is way cooler. Um, a lot of enemies. The boss fights are really cool. Everything's varied. That is, it's the best 3D platformer I've played, and I've played a lot of 3D platformers. Although, to be fair, it's not usually my favorite genre out there either. I'm kind of in the same boat with you there. If I remember correctly, that game was pretty hard. It was pretty hard, especially some of the boss fights are really hard. I remember uh, Nitro was like a, a mid-boss type dude that kept reappearing in each fight at the end of, of certain levels. And by the end, he was ridiculous. Yeah, I think that was maybe part of the reason why it didn't get great reviews. Because I think a lot of publications were probably used to their platformers being pretty easy, coming off of, like, Mario 64 and uh, the original Banjo-Kazooie, because I'm pretty sure it came out after that. Yeah, I think it came out in, in 98, I want to say. I know I got it for Christmas 98. That was a, a good Christmas since Bomberman Heroes in there. I think one of the my favorite reasons about it is it's still level-based, which I like, and each level is unique. It's not a collect-a-thon, which... I do not like collectathons very much. It's probably why I'm not a huge fan of Banjo or, or Mario 64. But yeah, oh my gosh, that game is. I will take Bomberman Hero over Mario Sunshine, and that's, well, actually Mario Galaxy or uh, Mario Odyssey, any of those, over any of the 3D Marios. And I know people probably hate me for that, but hey, I have more fun being Bomberman than Mario. The levels are cool, the controls are on point. Yeah, Bomberman Hero. Awesome game. Another game you can probably get for super cheap, too. I don't know. It's on the 64, and I, I don't actually see that one very often. Even when I was, like, actively looking for, for games in stores, that was not one I saw that often. But I think Bomberman's uh, 64 was four is the common. one. Yeah. Yeah, that one's not as good. That plays more like traditional Bomberman. You can't jump period in that game and you have to hit like two buttons you have to lay your bomb down and then pick it up to throw it yeah no I have that game I don't like it I was going to say my favorite Bomberman is actually Mega Bomberman on the Genesis that's definitely a good one that's actually got one of them with uh, kind of like Bomberman Hero that actually has good uh, single player and not just amazing multiplayer oh yes oh yes that was actually one of the first games that I rented at that movies and more Oh, so, nice. Yeah. yeah, it had, like, the green dude on the cover. Yeah, he's, like, giving, like, a peace sign. He looks way cooler than regular Bomberman. <laughs> <laughs> he does, but Bomberman is really cool and Bomberman Hero. But, yeah, I guess one of the sucky parts is there's no multiplayer period in Bomberman Hero, which I think is one reason people didn't like it as well, because that's just what the series is known for. Actually, that gave them a lot, lot of opportunity to be creative with it so they didn't have to stay strapped into expectations. Yeah, if you've ever wanted Bomberman in your 3D platformer, your Bomberman in your Mario game, it's kind of what this is. And it's pretty epic. And an awesome game on the 64 that everyone should be checking out. And it needs a sequel or a remake on the Switch. Yes. Nintendo. I don't think you got a Japanese-only sequel. It might have, though. That, so Bomberman, that, that Bomberman game on the Switch is not cutting it. No, that's all, that's all I'm well, saying. Going on Bomberman, so yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what was I thinking? I was trying to forget. Yeah, shout out to the Yu-Gi-Oh and Pachinko machines. 
Mm. We've got to give them love or hate, whatever you want to call it. Well, you know what? I'm going to give them a little bit of sugar here because they actually made the next game on my list. Oh, number two, made by Konami. You know what? They're both on the 64, too. Okay. Konami 64. Hold I on. think you probably know what this is. This is this is my favorite Nintendo 64 game. You're not talking like Castlevania 64, are you? No. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about the, the unknown Konami game on the 64 that nobody talks about. And it's a friggin' shame. It's, it's probably... Oh, we'll let that, that too. It's the most unique. I bought it the same day as I got Goemon. You had the sweet two-player Goemon, too. I had the single-player Mario 64 clone, which is also better than Mario 64. Shout-out to Mystical Ninja Star and Goemon. That's right. No, I'm talking about Hybrid Heaven, sir. Oh. Yeah. I didn't realize that was Konami. I had forgotten, as I choose to most of the time. (laughs) But, yeah, so 1999... Hybrid Heaven came out on the Nintendo 64. This was actually one of the first, first like, four games I got on my 64. Um, I remember me and my parents went to Walmart, and they had this this deal where they had, a, like, six or eight games that you could buy for, like, 30 bucks a piece. You bought them, and you, like, sent in, like, the proof <laughs> of purchase, and they'd send, like, 20 bucks back to you. You'd get, like, a 20-buck rebate on each one of them. Very strange. So each one of these, each one of those games, has the has the barcode cut out of the back. I can but, see your dad being all over that. Oh yeah, yeah. So we did that, and I, that day we picked up Castlevania '64, Hybrid Heaven, and uh, was it the what was the Goemon two called? Mystical Ninja. I don't know. It's, it's probably just Mystical Ninja. It's something like game two. Those are the three I got. And Hybrid Heaven was the one that I was least interested in. And Hybrid Heaven actually ended up being my favorite Nintendo 64 game of all time. Uh, it's, I didn't really it, you liked it that much. Oh, I know. Oh, oh, I do. Oh, I do. Hybrid Heaven is one of the most unique experiences uh, and an experience that I don't think has ever been kind of recreated or even attempted. It is also a science fiction game, so apparently I really like my science fiction video games. Yeah, that's what I've learned today. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much all we've learned today, guys. <laughs> Dungeon Fighter Online, The Surge, Hybrid Heaven, all sci-fi experiences. But Hybrid Heaven kind of told a, a strange tale about, you know, like, a Secret Service agents and kind of being, like, captured and, and sort of cloned by this alien race, and you kind of unlock the story of that while you kind of explore like this underground bunker while you're fighting off aliens and different robotic beings and things. But the, the interesting part, the interesting part about this game, there was basically like two modes of play. So you had, you're moving around the world in this kind of third person adventure, kind of like jumping up, running across, you know, bridges, shit like that. And then you also had a gun that you could pull out and could shoot like robots and things. Those controls were absolutely terrible. And those parts were not the part about the game that was great. It was okay, but it wasn't great. The best part about the game came when you were in combat. For anybody who doesn't know, which I'm assuming most people don't, uh, Hybrid Heaven kind of had this one-on-one kind of 3D fighting game battle system that was also an RPG system built in. You kind of had like this, this active 
the active battle system kind of like Final Fantasy where you'd wait a certain amount of time and you'd get like an action point. And with those, you could you could throw punches, kicks, you could grapple your enemy and do like suplexes and things like that. So like active time battle meets yeah wrestling meets Tekken or wrestling <laughs> even better. Yeah. Tekken, wrestling game, whatever. You would be fighting these aliens and you would just be trying to KO them with whatever moves you had. While you're doing that, at the end of each battle, you get awarded experience, as you would in an RPG you level up. But the thing in Hybrid Heaven is you would level up different body parts, your arms individually, your individual legs, your body, and your head, based upon what moves you were using in combat. And when you got hit, like what body parts took damage, they would actually level up based on offense and defense. It, it really just depended. Or you could like make like a boxer character if you were only throwing punches. Or to, you know, like a martial artist, whatever, or just a grappler. You'd grab onto the enemy, suplex them over and over again, which was probably the most OP <laughs> way to take out an enemy. You'd pile drive them, paralyze them, and then just do it again. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. So you could level up your character in different ways if you wanted. And while you were fighting aliens, or whatever you were fighting, they had all kinds of different grotesque things. The moves that they used in battle, you had a chance to learn them at the end of the battle. So throughout the whole game, you're also gathering these different abilities and you're wanting to take hits from the enemy to have a chance to learn particular moves. So that way you could kind of create your character any way you wanted. Now, I mean, there's other types of, like, consumable items in battle, but it was really based on using these different moves um, and kind of when the enemy was going to attack you, you would choose to, like, guard or take a take a chance at, like, dodging or counterattacking them. You could fight, like, an alien version of the Undertaker and then learn, like, a choke slam or a tombstone? Not a choke slam, but definitely a tombstone. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it was very, very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you could even, like, grab them on the ground, do, like, figure fours. Oh, sweet. Like, dude, I'm telling you, this game is insane. You would love it. Yeah, it's I like me on like me playing Tekken, except you could actually pull it off consistently. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it sounds pretty epic. It now, gets even it? deeper. Good lord! It, it gets even deeper than that. So as you as you progress through the game, you actually unlock like multiple like multiple active uh, like bars that you can fill up. So you can like save up for like two, three, five hit combos, and you can you just string together hits as you see fit. And then there were also, like, secret moves. Like, if you if you put together just, like, the proper sequence of moves, you, at, at the end you do, like, a, a Shoryuken or, like, an axe kick or something. It was very cool. Things that they never explained to you in the game. And it was, it was just a fun experience. I, it was totally unique, and I've never seen another game do it since. Yeah, so if I, like, tombstone someone, pedigree them, then I can finish them off with, like, a people's elbow, and then I'll get, like, a Shoryuken afterwards? Okay, well, you can't sure you could have straight after a people's elbow. <laughs> well, why not? It's, it's not completely free form. See, now it's getting ruined. But I promise you, you'll be able to land the figure four more than you can in Tekken. So, <laughs> that, that, that's all I'm going to say. You have that advantage. Or maybe you have to play it using Tekken grips, so we'll see. Yeah. But uh, Hybrid Heaven is definitely a very inexpensive Nintendo 64 game, but I think anybody who just likes RPGs in general and is looking for just that unique combat character customization experience, uh, they should take a look. Uh, I know I've played through it several times at this point. I always have a, a good time trying to build out a different character. And if we've learned anything about you on the podcast, anytime you can level up body parts, like, that's going to be your game. Yeah, always good. 
if it's a sci-fi uh, body part <laughs> level enough experience, that's all I want. Yeah, that's all. That's all you need. No, if it's Korean free to play, that helps too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, usually not the biggest turn on Korean free to play, but no, you know, Dungeon Fighter Online is epic. Yeah, I don't know how I can follow that up. Hybrid Heaven, man. Yeah. Well, you could just say that Konami needs to start making games so we can move on. Yeah, I'm going to have to tweet them about this. That Hybrid Heaven 2 better come on. They need to listen to the tweet on the podcast link at Konami. I cannot tell you how hyped and how much I would be the only one hyped to hear that <laughs> news. I mean, at least there's a shot they might do it just because it seems like they like to make people mad. New game they announced might be like Hybrid Heaven too. So yeah, well, I also think that they listen directly to the podcast and they take our business advice. No problem. I'd like to think we have, we have some good ideas. They have been announcing they announced Final Fantasy afterward or not not Final Fantasy. <laughs> good Lord, <laughs> Shining Force. Announced <laughs> yes. Shining Force. Everyone needs to go play Shining Force right now. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's getting derailed here. <laughs> uh, what's your next game? Well, the next game at number one on the list is uh, going to be my most uh, played GameCube game of all time. Uh, hold on. Well, you okay. can keep talking about it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's a game that probably me and about three other people in the world own, but everyone should own it because. Oh, I know what it is. So many great features. Oh, I know what it is. And this is the only game that I can consistently say that a lot of my friends and I can just set up a tournament and just straight up watch it because the entertainment is there for days. You're not talking about Ultimate Muscle. Legends vs. New Generation, as the announcer would say from the game. Which is also the dude that voices James in Pokemon, and that dude is epic. Yes, Ultimate Muscle Legends vs. New Generation for the GameCube. Came out in 2003. Still play it. All the time today, anytime there's people over, they always want to do an ultimate muscle tournament with uh, the created versions of themselves and usually uh, some type of weird character from the roster. And there's uh, such luminaries as, um, of course, Kid Muscle and King Muscle. And then you have awesome people like uh, Dick Dick Van Dick, because who doesn't think that's an awesome name? Wally Tuskett, um, Checkmate, all kinds of cool people. But what this game is overall, it's basically a mixture of uh, a wrestling game and a fighting game. So you actually have health bar in this game, so it's not like most wrestling games where you just, you know, go ahead and, and pin someone after they don't have much stamina left. You actually KO people in this game. Um, every character has an over-the-top cinematic super used by hitting uh, L and R together. If you have a, a full gauge, you have level 1, 2, and 3 supers. Level 3 supers, I'm sure you remember this. They look pretty freaking epic. Oh, yeah. They're very well animated, very over the top. And it had an, an amazing create a character feature where you could use any of the, the huge parts that they had for you here to make your character look uh, super unique. And, and it had one of the coolest systems when you create a character that you actually pick just three random traits or three traits you just wanted your guy to have. Like, it could be anything random like one of them would just be like it would say student um psychotic loves to lose you could they had all kinds of weird stuff in here and you'd pick three things for your character and it'd give them a completely random move set that you had no control over you said to stick with whatever they gave you and uh, every time we create a character and 
God, we created, I don't know, there's probably 40 created characters in that game at least. Of, that was probably all your memory card could hold. Oh, it was. It's completely maxed out. Levels <laughs> muscle characters. That's right. You guys played that way too much to not have filled that out at this point. <laughs> it's definitely filled out. Yeah, all the the epic ultimates, the tournaments you put together. And, too, if you did, uh, we always do tag team tournaments. And then if you and your partner both had um, your super gauge filled up at the same time, you'd do a tag team super, looked really freaking epic, and did a ton of damage to the opponent. But, yeah, the overall uh, gameplay system I'll kind of jump back to is a lot like if anyone has played the N64 wrestling games, they're so beloved now. Like, um, what's the No Mercy, I think, is the most popular in 64, the WWF No Mercy game. It plays a lot like that. And um, there's it's a good system. It has a good counter system. Um, the specials, like I said, are super epic. And when you create your character, you create um, what super you want them to have. It's like the only free freedom you get to pick there. So you get to do pick your own super, and then you actually get to name it whatever you want from the, the list of words they have, or you can just type in your own. And then... Yeah, the announcers are over the top. They make everything epic. It's just, it's hilarious, and we still bust it out all the time. If people come over, I got a certain group of friends that they want to come over. It's Brad Cube, Dell. They're heading over. They want to watch an Ultimate Muscle tournament. It's we usually at this point just set everything, and let the computers battle it out, which probably sounds weird, but that's a, a half hour of great entertainment right there. And it's bragging rights if your character actually comes out with a W. Yeah, I mean, the game is still actually fun to play. It, it actually really has is. pretty good controls. Um, it has a good uh, counter system, a decent combo system. It looks, still looks good, plays well. Yeah, I think you've played it at least a little bit. I know your character's definitely... very low-ranked. <laughs> very low-ranked. <laughs> I think he gets thrown in there uh, quite a bit. I know your finisher's a lock speed rock, I remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. Was uh, not quite the Great Wall of Dell or some other ones, but everyone, basically everyone we came in contact with through about 2005 or six has been created in that game. So there's a, a lot of characters, and it's just fun throwing some of those people in there, having tournaments. That game we've put way too many hours into. And zero royalties available to any of you, by the way. Yes, yeah, and like we got like Reggie Miller, all kinds of random, you know. NBA players and stuff, Patrick Ewing, we're not paying you guys either. Nobody. Their lawyers may have something else to say about that. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, that is a that is a very cool game. Um, I think that's probably not a very expensive game on the GameCube either at this point. Uh, you might be surprised. Would I? I'm pretty sure it's actually got a pretty decent price tag to it. Is it because it's uncommon? Yeah, I mean, it's the only time I remember seeing it. I bought it at Babbage's back right when it came out in 2003, and I don't think I saw it anywhere else besides um, that or, like, EB Games. I don't even think GameStop really existed around us very much at that time, but let me just find out. Well, fair enough. Actually, now that I think about it, wasn't it, wasn't it one of the later releases, too, though? No, it came out in uh, June of 2003. Mm, so it came out before Dungeon Fighter Online. It definitely did. <laughs> after Robotech. Yeah, it wasn't one of the later releases, but I just don't think it was just, wasn't released very many places, period. No, and I, and I can't fathom them having a very large uh, fan base, especially in the States. Yeah, uh, disc only on eBay right now is a 
$42.99 with about 4 bucks shipping, and that's without anything else. Good grief. Worth every penny, though, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> Good lord, this same guy is selling the instructions for $50, the case for 18 and the disc for for 43 That's insane. What a scumbag. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah, go get Ultimate Muscle, but not from that guy. <laughs> not from that guy. Don't get it at all from that guy. Don't get an eBay right now. Find it somewhere else. But it is an awesome game. Wow, that's crazy. Speaking of crazy, I got one more game on my list. Who? And what's it going to be? It is going to be the ever-so-well-touted 5 out of 5 for Maxim, the <laughs> title known as Sudeki for the original Xbox. This game is very strange in the fact that it's an RPG, and everybody remembers the fact that on the cover artwork of it, <laughs> for whatever reason, they decided to print that Maxim gave it a 5 out of 5. <laughs> it was this Well, I mean, it's probably because of the chick on the cover. I guess. I guess. Even though you're not really seeing that much boob on there. I mean, I they're I, pretty big, though. The developer was yeah. Climax, so. Yeah, that's true. I'm amazed you remember that. I just pulled it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> I am amazed you could read that. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, but Sudeki was one of the one of the few RPGs on the Xbox that I really enjoyed. Uh, the other one being Jade Empire and any of the other ones that I can't remember, I probably didn't enjoy. Yeah, Sudeki had a lot of very <laughs> Sudeki had a lot of very interesting uh, gameplay mechanics to it. So. The, the main gist was you had uh, four, four main characters playing the game. They would basically, as you're exploring the world, they all had different, like, puzzle-solving abilities. So, like, your main character, he'd be able to, like, push blocks, which is pretty boring overall. But you had other characters that could, you know, like, use a jetpack and, like, fly across gaps, um, cast spells to uh, unlock, like, hidden tunnels or whatever, different things like that. And they also had the, the, you also had the ability to, in combat, which was a kind of a, a third-person action RPG, you could swap between each character on the fly. So two of the characters were, like, melee-based, like, sword and claw attack mechanics. And the other two were very interesting. You had a, a mage and kind of like a gunner archetype. And both of them, uh, when you switched to them, went into a first-person view. So you'd actually fight uh, enemies in a like a first-person shooter kind of situation, either casting spells or shooting guns, reloading guns, switching them, whatever. And I remember having a, a very good time. Just it's, it's kind of hard for me to explain like why I liked it so much. I just think it was the fact that it was kind of just a breath of fresh air in the fact that they tried to kind of incorporate these two different styles of combat into an RPG, which it probably didn't look like it made any sense. But as far as the rest of the game goes, as far as from like an, an RPG, like story, world building angle, it was kind of generic, other than the fact that the graphics were really nice. Uh, I think it's actually one of the best looking Xbox games because I think it came out towards the end of the lifespan. But uh, definitely the environments and the character models were definitely very, very well made. And it was one of the, the few RPGs that, I always appreciate where, like, when you got, like, different equipment, it would actually, like, show off on your character. I always appreciate that. I hate it when games, like, phone it in and they don't even, like, make models. 
for different pieces of equipment while you're going through the game. Yeah, because then it feels like if you get the equipment, like, what was the point? I still look the exact same. Yeah, it's just a stat stick, which is very frustrating. I mean, it sounds like at least they threw a lot out there, and some of it really stuck. I mean, the Xbox at least was the first console where you could actually have, you know, a first-person shooter, and it, it played well. I mean, obviously what they did with Halo and just the controls in general uh, were very good for shooters, so at least they kind of took advantage of that, it sounds like. Yeah, no, I, it did. I mean, obviously it didn't play as good as Halo, and there was well, no four-player <laughs> deathmatch on your Xbox. But it, it had a reason to play your Xbox. Yeah, no, I mean, it had all the trappings uh, of an RPG. I, I thought the the characters were actually kind of entertaining. Uh, I felt like they didn't take the story too seriously. They were all kind of sarcastic and kind of humorous in certain points. They all had different, you know, characteristics. Some of them were, you know, more serious during certain situations. So it made like the dialogue, and all the dialogue was, for the most part, was voiced. Uh, that was at least engaging, uh, at least enough for me to get through the game, which is only about 15 to 20 hours. So I don't think it outstays its welcome, which is good. I actually prefer my RPGs to be about that long anyway, at least at this point. Yeah, that's the perfect length for us, at least these days. Yeah. And, I mean, the combat is, is fast-paced, and it's pretty fun. You unlock, like, new abilities and different, like, chain combos throughout you have the ability to, like, when you level up, you, you level up, you know, your stats based upon how you want to. So it's got that kind of customization and, like, weapon crafting uh, kind of business going on. But overall, I, I just thought it was definitely a different experience than what I was used to getting on my Xbox, which typically was disappointment. And I thought it was a game out, outside of the Maxim review that I thought was very, they got very underwhelming reviews. I think actually the fact that they advertised that as, like, the main review, I think that detracted a lot of people from taking it seriously. And I think it's it's actually a bit of a hidden gem. And it's actually a very well-made game. And you can find it on Steam for, like, five ninety nine, which I found out today while I was doing a little bit of research on it, and I downloaded nice. it again so I could play it. <laughs> Pretty you exciting. You don't even have your Xbox with you, do you? I do not. I don't even know if I have my copy of Sudeki with me, to be honest with you. Oh, good lord. I know. If you have your Xbox, I don't really blame you. All of those games that we talked about, even the ones on your list, (laughs) (laughs) even those are pretty definitely underappreciated. Like, I don't know how underappreciated I'd consider, like, Bomberman Hero, but I think it it should have gotten a sequel for sure. That one's um, one of the... It definitely, I guess, just kind of more special to me. I don't know if it was... The quality may not be there like it is with some of the other games. Like, obviously, no one's going to say Dragon Force isn't... Or should I say Shining Force? Isn't an amazing game, and it's gotten really good reviews overall if you just look it up in the archives from back in the day, and it's still uh, pretty loved to this day. But, yeah, some of these games, like even uh, Sudeki here, it's kind of just more of a personal one there for you because the review scores didn't... A lot of people didn't love it, it looks like, for what I'm looking at. Except Maxim, they did. They loved it. <laughs> yeah, EGM gave it a 5.33 out of 10. It's not bad, that's just, that's right above a 5. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think anyone who's, who's going to take time to talk about any games that they think are underappreciated, well, obviously they had to have appreciated them for some reason. So obviously they are going to hold them a little bit more dear. And, I mean, as we could tell from your soapbox with Infinite, you're going to be defensive about games that you like, 
that oh, people sure. seem to be throwing shade at for for whatever reason, be it shade or just like ignoring it. Like I find that very frustrating with games like Hybrid Heaven. I'm just like, this game was amazing. And what I feel would like you for you, I'd have never heard of that game. I don't even remember ever seeing it in a magazine or anything else. I have yet to meet anyone who knew what that was <laughs> when I brought it out. I don't leave the house that often, so maybe that's the problem. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of cool games. I actually think I could probably come up with another five to do another another. Oh, I have about four or five more that I decided not to put on the list that I could talk about too. I agree. I have I have some uh, on the bench here. And I think that down the down the line we may do that again. And I'm sure there'll be more that come out in the future. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, and I mean, I think part of the reason I didn't have a lot of necessarily current ones on here, I'm not getting as many new games as I did, especially around the the PS2, uh, Xbox, GameCube time period. So maybe that's why I didn't have a lot of them that are, are super new, but just infinite. It's not as good as the Mummy Demastered, I'm just saying. It's better. <laughs> but no, we had a lot of good games. I'd definitely give any game you mentioned a shot. Now he's got me wanting to play Hybrid Heaven, though. I'm saying you should just play Dungeon Fighter Online again until I get it to you. That's a good point. Are there like 26 servers on that one? I have to pick a random one that you should be on, or is there... Uh, there are servers. Um, That's one of the very few games that actually runs on my computer. Oh, no way. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, wh- while I'm getting your your GameFly copy of Hybrid Heaven over to you, <laughs> we we could we could make that work. That'd be a good time. I don't know. I'm gonna have to see you maybe Bomberman Hero or something. Oh yeah, I'd play that. I'd play the heck out of that. Well, I think that'll about do it for episode 11. Uh, Buck and I's underappreciated games that we feel just need a lot more love, and thank goodness The Surge is getting a sequel next year. That's all I'm saying. But as always... (laughs) (laughs) I am too. I am too. But as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. You've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys. We can't give any plugs or shout-outs. Oh, I guess we could. (laughs) We need to let people know where they can find us. And let us know what your... Top underappreciated games are, if you have any. Yeah, what's what's under the radar? What are you playing or have played in the past that doesn't get a lot of love? Let us know um, on Twitter, and we are at BuckChuckGaming. So um, tweet us, let us know what your games are. What do you think of our list? Are you going to go play Ultimate Muscle and Hybrid Heaven now? We don't know. Well, you should. <laughs> you definitely should. And we're also on uh, the iTunes App Store or the Apple App Store, whatever they call it. We're on iTunes, yeah. Yeah, Just find us on iTunes. Click the podcast app, find Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection, and give Give us a a review. review, Please Please do. We'd love to have five stars. If not, you know, give us some some feedback there. What we can do better, let us know. Yeah, let us know what you like, and, you know, we'll take that into account for future episodes. And, hey, if you want to uh, let us know if any, like, future, you know, conversations you'd like us to have, what you'd like our opinions on, we'd uh, we'd be glad to deliver. All right, and I think that's uh, that's about everything we can sign off now, right? I think so. And yet again, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys. Later.